0: Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th to 2012. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from the Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Let me just tell you something. Uh, I'm recording this, and, by, and, and while I'm recording this, the winter meetings are still going on. I'm probably going to drop this on the weekend. And while I am recording this, it is unclear with me that the Chicago White Sox could very well have made two, three, maybe 17 more trades since I started hitting record on this button. So whatever they wind up doing, um, I, I'm going to just say that I am completely prepared to you know, have egg on my face, know that there could be another big move that is made. But everything I'm about to say is really, really relevant for no matter what happens. I am going to praise a man, and the man I'm going to praise is Rick Hahn. Rick Hahn is the general manager of the Chicago White Sox. Now, when I talked about the Chris Sale trade, I gave some lip service to the Chicago White Sox, saying that I felt it was a smart move to bring in Yoan Moncada and also bring in three minor leaguers, Michael Kopich, Luis Alexander Basabe, and Victor Diaz, who are in single-A ball, that you have the one player who can fit right in to the major league roster and three players who can be developed through the system. Because you also keep in mind, if you're trying to time this, if you're trying to time the White Sox rebuilding, it behooves them to throw in lots of talented players in their system who may take a year or so to develop, but if they do, and they all develop at the same time, the White Sox are going to be in good shape. When I'm recording this, I just learned that Adam Eaton was traded. Adam Eaton had a fine season with the Chicago White Sox. Let's go to baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. Adam Eaton is a former Arizona Diamondback who was traded away. Usually when a player is traded away from the Arizona Diamondbacks, that means the Diamondbacks made a dumb trade. That's what the Diamondbacks do. And they were involved in some huge trade that sent Hector Santiago to the Angels, that sent Mark Trumbo to the Diamondbacks, who they then let go. Uh, Tyler Skaggs went to the Angels. Uh uh, Adam Eaton went to the White Sox. Essentially, they got Trumbo in this trade. They wound up giving up on Trumbo, and it was just a, it's a mess. Uh, Eaton played three years with the White Sox, twice leading the league in triples, having you know stealing some bases, having a good batting average, having a decent on base percentage, being about you know a high 700s OPS, good all-round player, not a superstar. Maybe, you know, last year he got finished 19th in the MVP voting, which is not bad. Strikes out a little bit too much, doesn't walk enough, but still a solid overall player and someone who could, you know, play well in center field and blah, 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 blah. Well, now he has been traded away to the Washington Nationals. And the Nationals, who have a little bit of egg on their face after losing Melanson and falling short in the Chris Sale trade, they need to do something to make a splash, and with so they wound up trading for Adam Eaton, and they've traded to them Renaldo Lopez, who is a 22-year-old pitcher who pitched in the major leagues this year. Actually, pitched a little bit. He pitched a couple innings in the postseason for them, and is. Was, went into this year, ranked the 92nd pro, uh, highest-ranked prospect in baseball, according to Baseball America. According to Baseball Perspectives, going into the 2016 season, he was the 75th highest. So he's a top 100 prospect that they added into the system. Also added into the system is Dale Dunning, another young pitcher. He's 21 years old, in single-A ball. And is you know in his first season was a first round draft pick out of the University of Florida, talented pitcher who got his in single A ball. Another player who is in the low system, but now going through their 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 uh, what's it called through their their farm system there. And oh yeah, Mister Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito who's the Nats' number one pick in the twenty twelve draft. He only he pitched uh, six games, four starts, in age twenty one, but went into the twenty sixteen season as the fifth highest rated prospect in all of baseball, and while he didn't have a you know an outlandishly superstar season between AA and Triple A, pitched very well over his career in the Nationals to be basically their top pitching prospect, and arguably the top pitching prospect in baseball, certainly one of them. Now, take that along with the trade when Chris Sale was sent packing to the Red Sox. They got some of the other pitches. They got the players I had mentioned before. They got, um, what was his name? Um, Michael Kopich was ranked the 89th highest prospect in baseball going into 2016 and had a good solid season in the Red Sox organization. Well, now he's a 21-year-old in the White Sox organization. And, oh, yeah, Yoan Moncada went into the 2016 season as the third highest ranked prospect in baseball America and had a fantastic season in single-A, double-A, and in the major leagues. Now, really stop and think about that for a second. If you're a White Sox fan, you have to be as, as frustrating as it may be to see Chris Sale go. As frustrating as it may be to see um, Adam Eaton go. In these moves, he has the toss-ins that he has got in these trades. The people who are just thrown in there to fill up the spot are people who are ranked in the top 100 of prospects in baseball. And the main people he brought in, yes, he, he didn't get Mookie Betts. He didn't get Adam Benatendi from the Red Sox. He got the player who was, went into 2016 as the third highest rated prospect. And he got the pitcher who went into 2016 as the fifth highest rated prospect. If you went into 2016 and you said, we are going to flip two of our players – for two of the top five prospects in all of baseball and plug them into our system. And in addition to that, bring in four or five additional players who are legit prospects. Just stop and think about that for a second. I praise them for wanting to get quantity and quality. Flush the system with players at the single A level that they can develop through their system, but also bring in two young prospects who have at least six years of team control, who are already going who already are major league ready, and are considered to be one of the best you know, prospects in all of baseball. And I, I really can't stop, and I have to stop and shake my head. Because I think the White Sox got the Nationals at a vulnerable moment. There was talk that Giolito was going to be used in one of the blockbuster trades in the offseason and in the regular season to try to get a closer down the stretch or to try to nab someone to help put the Nationals over the top. And they held, they held true that they weren't going to deal Giolito. And now they dealt them for Eaton. Now, yes, Eaton's a good player. Yes, he could wind up being a good, solid outfielder and do very, very well with the Washington Nationals. I don't doubt that. I'm not belittling Adam Eaton. But Adam Eaton was not going to be a starting outfielder on a White Sox team that was going to go to the playoffs, and they wound up getting, if not the best pitching prospect in baseball, than one of them. And Mankata will slide right into second base. And they have Tim Anderson, who is their best shortstop prospect, so they have that up the middle. And they have Carson Fulmer, who is one of the best pitching prospects in baseball, who's already made starts on the major league level. What I'm saying is this. This is actually an interesting time to be a Chicago White Sox fan. And I will say this right here and now. If you are a White Sox fan, and I know there are some out there who listen to this podcast, this is the time that I want you to absolutely, absolutely wear your White Sox gear with pride. Because let me tell you something. The entire planet is looking at Chicago And the White Sox have about as much of the nation's attention as the MLS soccer team does in Chicago, which for the life of me, not only do I not know the name of the MLS team in Chicago, but I'm not 100% sure they have a team. That's how much I follow MLS soccer. It's all Cubs all the time. The Cubs are going to jack up their prices because they know everyone's going to want to come to Wrigley for the victory tour. And the Cubs, the defending world champion Cubs, are stacked for a defense. They're going to go into 2017 as the team to beat in the National League Central and possibly the team to beat in the National League. Now, there will be other fine teams out there. And the Nationals have a strong sense of urgency and one where they just sacrificed their biggest pitching prospect to shore up their outfield. Again, Adam Eaton, fine player, good player. I'm not saying bad things about Adam freaking Eaton. Adam freaking Eaton. I like the rhythm of that. But the fact of the matter is they panicked. I absolutely believe they panicked. They didn't need to give up Lucas Giolito, who should have been... The key in any deal with Chris Sale, or maybe anyone else are trying to pry loose, they could have, they could have held on to him and picked up a solid outfielder without sacrificing their top pitching process, but they did. And it's to the White Sox benefit. If you are a white Sox fan, let me tell you historically where you stand right now. I remember when I was really beginning to follow baseball. And the Yankees were one of the elite teams. This is the Bronx Zoo era, the, night, the late 1970s into the 1980s, where the Yankees had the superstars. They had Reggie. They had Thurman Munson before he, of course, died. Willie Randolph, Ron Guidry. You know, they were a star-studded team. Chambliss, Nettles, Bucky Dent, you know, Mickey Rivers for a while. And then stars came over to them. You know, Sparky Lyle was there, and Rich Gossage was there, and blah, 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 eventually Dave Winfield came over. This was a star-studded team that was expected to go to the playoffs and win the World Series, and they always went to the playoffs and many times won the World Series, and there you go. And while they were going on playing like that, the New York Mets were terrible, save for the fact that they had a sexy center fielder, and I mean sexy in Lee Mazzilli. That was a real that was a heyday. If you were a good-looking Italian dude, the 70s were your heyday. Travolta, Pacino, you know, Rocky, you know, Sylvester Stallone, the Fonz, yeah, I know Henry Winkler is really Jewish, but he played Arthur Fonzarelli. You know, Chachi started showing up. Tony Danzo was on Taxi. Robert De Niro was the greatest actor. Or if you were an Italian dude and, and at all either handsome or had charisma or charm, that was a good time to be alive. And that was Brooklyn-born Lee Mazzilli, who looked like freaking John Travolta in center field. Boom. That was the only reason to go to a Mets game. But let me tell you something. If you were a Mets fan then, and there was no reason to pick the Mets over the Yankees. If you were a Met fan then, and you held true, you started to see the building blocks. They drafted a kid named Strawberry. They started bringing up players like Mookie Wilson. They started bringing up players like Hubie Brooks. They wound up flipping that sexy Lee Mazzilli for players like Ron Darling and Walt Terrell, who was later flipped for Howard Johnson and you started to see the foundation. It took a while. It didn't happen overnight. But if you stayed true to the Mets in the late 70s and the early 80s, you were rewarded with a championship that still reverberates to this day. All the reason to be a baseball fan then was to be a Yankee fan. They won the championships, they had the attention and everything. If you were a Met fan, and you were a Met fan then, And you were loyal. You were rewarded. Which brings me to the White Sox. If you're a White Sox fan right now, your team's going to stink. All the attention's going to go to the Wrigley Field. All the the people are going to be crying. They Oh, we're finally seeing a World Series. We're here. Everyone's going to assume you're from Chicago, that you're a Cubs fan. If you're a White Sox fan, bust out that Sox hat, that S-O-X hat. Either the traditional hat, or the one where it's you know with the the Harold Bain special, or even the Curse of C that they wore in the late '80s, bust those out. Go to the game. Go to the U.S. Cellular Field or whatever it's called now. Let's just keep calling it New Comiskey because all those new names are a disgrace. Go there, and go there and memorize the lineup. The lineup's going to suck, and the lineup is not going to have players who are going to be long remembered for the White Sox. But go there. I gave this advice to Oriole fans a bunch of years ago when the Orioles stunk, and then before long they were rewarded with a couple of playoff teams. But I'm predicting more than that. Go to the White Sox game. Memorize the lineup, and take the ticket that you got there, if you still have a physical ticket and put it in your wallet, or some memento of it. Because the White Sox are building something. It will take probably two, three, maybe even four years. But if they have a team that blossoms, and you see the likes of Mancado, Giolito, Anderson, Fulmer, these players who, who are being brought in, as stars and in bulk. They're laying down the groundwork for the stars and they're laying the groundwork for the depth. Because sometimes having that depth to make deals and to fill in holes is as important as having the stars on the field. The White Sox will eventually be good again. They are going to be really bad this year. Really bad. But... You're seeing that they have a foundation that's going to be built. You look at their farm system that went from being, a, well, not great. You have your Zach Collins. You have your Carson Fulmers, but nothing else that's really spectacular, to suddenly, oh, they just plugged in two of the top five prospects in baseball, and they're, the rest of their minor league system being flushed with these other good, solid prospects. And they're not done yet. Because Jose Abreu will inevitably get two or three players back for them. And Quintana will get two or three players back from them. And even if they don't get a star prospect, they're going to get good players back from them. A big slugging right-handed power-hitting first baseman is going to be more attractive to get someone like Abreu than paying someone like Encarnacion a five-year deal worth $80 million or whatever the hell he wants. They'll be able to catch teams off guard, especially ones in mid-panic. If Encarnacion signs somewhere else, all of a sudden, call up the Blue Jays. Hey, bet you want a Abreu. Give me two or three of your best guys. Yeah, we better do it now. Boom. And if you are a White Sox fan, go to that game, memorize that lineup, and know that by 2020, 2021, when the White Sox are a pennant contender and maybe in the World Series, you can look up and say, hey, I'm no bandwagon fan. When everyone was jumping up and down, loving the Rizzos and the Bryants and all of them up north in the Wrigley Field, I stayed true to the White Sox. In fact, I can rattle off who was in the lineup there in 2017. Go do that this year. Memorize that one lineup because you can have that card to play. I'm saying, yeah, I'm a real fan. I stuck by it when everyone else jumped to the Cubs. I have a couple people, some of them are related to me, some of them are probably listening to me right now, who can probably tell you the lineup of the 1979 and the 1980 New York Mets. When they stunk and suddenly things turned around and they were able to say, I'm no bandwagon fan. There were a lot of people who had a Yankee hat on going Reggie, Reggie, who were at Shea Stadium jumping up and down for Dwight Gooden. And do you know what? That's your prerogative. If you want to jump from team to team and only be there for the good times, that's up to you. Okay, If that's the way you want to be a fan, fine. But to me, I think there's more to be experienced when you stand by a team when things aren't good and be rewarded. Right now, there's no reason to be a White Sox fan. There is no bandwagon there. They're going to be bad. Their stadium is ugly. It has a stupid name. And the world champions are right up the street. But... Rick Khan, that GM, knows that and says, do you know what? With the cover of the Cubs, we are going to rebuild and put together a terrific team. Because they'll probably be one of the worst teams in baseball, which means they'll probably get a really good draft pick, too, that you can put together a team you know, up the middle with Moncana and Anderson and the rotation they're putting together with Fulmer and Giolito. They, they wind up drafting a couple of power hitting outfielders. Next thing you know, they have the foundation of a great team. And before you say Jiminy cricket, Harold Baines sacrifice fly to center field, Jermaine Dye hitting the ball up the middle, Frank Thomas, Klugger, over the wall. Next thing you know, it'll be a White Sox town again, or at least the White Sox will be a team worth rooting for. And if you're a White Sox fan, now's the time to knuckle down and show the world that, hey, I was there when there was no bandwagon and there was no reason to root for them. You will be rewarded. And I bet they've made three trades since I started recording this thing. So go to solidaceball.com, like me on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalisky. Giving advice, unsolicited advice, to Chicago White Sox fans. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. I'd like to see the White Sox be good again. You can call me Sullivan.